Scott Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! Here comes Tyrese Maxey making 31 for Tyrese Maxey. From the other wing, Niang is hitting buckets from all over the floor. Here's Harden putting it on the deck, taking top in the score. And one. And now. The Pick Swap Podcast with James Berain and Sean Bernard. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. It's me and Sean Bernard, as usual, but Sean and I have some exciting news. Uh, so I'll pass it over to Sean. You can introduce this new era of the Pick Swap Media. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, exciting stuff. Rebranding as PickSwap Media for the channel. We're going to have a couple other new podcasts popping up on here. You're going to hear from uh, James and Asher coming up later this week and a couple more exciting news still to come later on. So we're going to be still doing our thing as usual, but you're gonna, there's going to be a couple new faces popping in and dropping their stuff as well. So it's all a part of getting bigger and growing, and uh, I'm excited to see where this all goes. So uh, getting the ball rolling now, the first week as PickSwap Media is underway now, and for us it for us, it's kind of the same deal. We're going to be doing our thing as usual. So all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Stick around for you know us, but make sure you tune in for James and Asher, and we'll be adding a few more uh, mm-hmm. little things down the line. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always, sticking around and uh, supporting us through this all. So um, before we get into today's podcast, we want to thank our sponsor, BetUS, one of the leading sportsbook and casinos in the market. We're fully fledged into the NBA playoffs. There's a lot more betting going on. I know a ton of people bet on baseball. I don't personally. I feel like it's just too... You never know who's going to win on a nightly basis. I just feel like there's no way you can actually tell what's going to happen. Um, you know, golf golf season is in full swing. There's plenty to bet on at BetUS. Uh, so make sure you check out our BetUS and use our promo code PICKSWAP at login. You can check the bio uh, for a link down below in the YouTube video. You can also check it in the description of the podcast. To get in on the action, get your first bet risk-free up to $500 with our code PICKSWAP. So a little bit of a dead period here. There's a lot going on around the NBA, but uh, you know we're kind of in between the finals. We're, we're, we're closing in on that. I guess we could talk about the, the, the conference finals right now. Not all that exciting, to be honest. Um, yeah. But closing the- in on the draft, there's some sort of some things going on. So what are you feeling right now? Yeah, draft stuff, stirring up, which is my favorite time of year. So got about a month till that. Uh, conference finals, I mean, the Mavs just can't quite run with the Warriors. So that's been disappointing to watch. I love Luka, but they just don't have the horses as this Golden State team. Uh, the Celtics Heat Series, I think, has been fun. Shout out Marcus Smart for coming back from the, the ankle injury the other night. That was impressive. Uh, that's been a battle, that series. Uh, another one coming on soon. So I, I, I've, it's still good basketball, still high-quality basketball. A little disappointing. It's been kind of a lull in like there was such a good stretch of like great playoff basketball down in the wire that there's been like a decent amount of blowouts in this round, which I guess has been disappointing. But hey, it's still NBA playoffs and I still love it. Yeah, man, it's still basketball. Um, but I just hate that series. Like I don't I don't want to see any team win. Like yeah. I go from being like, all right, like I could deal with this if this happens to being like I hate that team. So um tough times, tough sledding for Sixers fans, but um Let's get into some of the news that we've, you know, the rumors that have been flying around. So as many of you know, there's some rumors regarding Doc Rivers uh, and potentially fleeting to L.A. uh, to go coach the Lakers, which would be, you know, a dream for him considering the age, the average age on their roster is perfect (laughs) for him. No young guys. Um, There's been some speculation, you know, about the truth of this situation. Uh, So what are you hearing right now? And, you know, what do you believe? 
Yeah, it's a lot of conflicting reports on it. it. I think, honestly, in this situation, whatever you want to believe, you can find enough reports to like back up what you're thinking. Paul Hudrick's pretty firm on that the Sixers have no interest in, uh, in dishing Doc. I think the Lakers are in hopes that the Sixers are just playing hardball and that they want to strike up the right picks and whatever deal that they have in mind for it. While the Sixers have very publicly been uh, in defense of Doc, saying this is our guy. Uh, personally, I do think that there is some legitimacy to it. I think... There's no way that after like how the last two postseasons have gone, how the tenure with Doc Rivers has been, that you can sit back and just be 100% comfortable that like that's our championship coach. And it's one thing to say like like for sure Doc gets blamed for a lot more than it is his fault, but I also think there's total weight behind it. he hasn't done enough to prove that he's that championship caliber coach to bring them over the edge. Uh, and and we've talked about it a lot, but it's always important to note that Doc Rivers was here before Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey was not, or Doc Rivers was not a Daryl Morey hire. So I, I think that's always important in context. Uh, I do think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think Doc really wants to be here anymore either. I think he's sick of the Philly scrutiny, the the magnifying glass that is Philly media and Philly sports. So I think there is truth to it. I don't know if anything will actually happen. I'm still, I still think it's more likely than not that Doc is back next year. But there's definitely a little hope in terms of him being traded or sent to LA, however it's worked out. I mean, I, I want to start by saying this. There's no way that LA in terms of the fan and media scrutiny is any better than here. Like their, their coach sure. got fired and he won a championship two seasons ago. Um, Doc is getting freebies out here. He's, he's coached uh, two like pretty significant failures. Uh, you know, two seasons that I think a lot of people will consider failures. Uh, and, Maybe he wasn't so much at the forefront of it this season. Uh, you know, there's kind of a tough draw for the Sixers this year. Yeah. Um, but he was absolutely at the, the forefront last year. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say the lead suspect uh, or one of the two lead suspects in that uh, debacle from last season. But I don't know, man. I feel like I don't know if it's smoke from Daryl Morey, but, you know, his quick and confident answer of will Doc be the coach next year? Obviously, he was sitting right next to him. So um, any <laughs> yeah. any sort of, uh, you know, hesitation in his voice would have come off uh, really strange. And I think with Doc being right there, it's hard to not be confident that to say that he's your coach next season. But I don't know, man. Um it's weird that it's gone like this is like what week three probably or so mm -hmm. of these rumors kind of sticking around maybe it's the slow news week maybe it's you know there's there's not as many engaged fan bases right now um and the lakers need to be talked about um and they are looking for a coach and they want a notable coach they want a, a coach that has a pedigree um i don't think doc rivers is the answer to anybody uh but maybe it's true i don't know yeah, I mean, Juwan Howard turned down the job off there. He'd be a great coach. Uh, he's in a better situation in Michigan. His two sons are here, are yeah. there. Smart of him for staying. Uh, I mean, Doc's coached in L.A. before. Obviously, he's a completely different beast, Clippers versus Lakers, and I think he's going to be – he would be surprised how different that is if he does get thrown into that fire. Uh, I feel a little differently about Doc after this postseason. That definitely was, like, in a, in a little bit closer to the burn Doc at the stake, all that kind of mentality last year. I thought he coached a very good postseason this year, and – I think like the loss primarily came down to 
A, of course, Embiid missing the first two games, and just the roster construction. This was more of an indictment on Morey than it was on Doc Rivers this year, and I think that holds weight. And also, Daryl Morey is a liar because he needs to be. Like, he's better at his job because yeah. he can sit up there and lie. He's plenty of times said, like, I'm never trading this guy or I have no interest in this guy, and then turned around and done the exact opposite. That's part of being a general manager, part of working in a front office. So as much as, like, and even when I hear, like, the, the Sixers reports, like, how the, the Sixers are completely bought in, like, what else do you want them to say? Like, we are considering trading Doc Rivers. Like, it's all kind of posturing and everybody leaking intentionally and strategic. So, it, it who knows how it actually works out. But I don't think it's like a shut and close case by any means. Yeah, it's funny to think that Doc could be traded for not not just the first time in his career, for the second time in his yeah. career to be traded to LA. Uh, yeah. What a what a weird weird situation to be in. I think that is the biggest thing, and I think that's uh, you know part of why the connection to the Lakers is so significant is that they would be the team willing to trade for a coach, right? Yeah. Um, the Sixers are probably not going to fire him. Like, let's be honest. Like there's a lot of money left on the table. Um, and if he was going to be fired, he probably would be fired by now. Right. Like, right. I, yeah. The, I think the season was over. If he was going to be gone, he'd be gone. Yeah. It's, it's trader. He's back. I think is pretty much it at this point. So, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, with the Mori press conference, like the day after, like this is not a situation where it should have been like a closed book, like decisions made. Like this was a this is an offseason that every single thing has to be reflected on, analyzed, decided. So like, I, I he obviously has to say like he's back. That couldn't have been the case in his mind. I'm sure like there's behind the scenes stuff going on. I, I do think it's it's either trade or he's back, and I think it's more likely they're not and he's back. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I will, I want to jump in really quick just to say. Like as much as I've been anti Doc Rivers, I do believe there is some truth to the fact that winning takes time. You know, yeah. being a successful team and a successful franchise takes time, and we've kind of sped this process up—no pun intended—to be a contender right away. And you know, the same thing happened before. Like they went from being like the worst team in the league by a lot got one like buffer a year and then they were a top four seed, uh, seed in the East. And then they've been that since, right? So the jump to being a competitor, the jump to being a contender happened so quick. And then they've had this like massive franchise altering change with the Simmons for Harden and the way that things look right now. Like I know that I'm anti-doc and I'm not going to tell you that I wouldn't be happy if there was a change in the coaching uh, the head coaching position, but I'm okay with bringing him back because I do genuinely believe that this does take time. And with another year of James Harden, because let's, you know, again, let's be honest, he's going to be back. I think that there is the, you know, just the mixing, the chemistry building that is important. And I do think that that is something that they are looking at as an important factor to this decision. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, a reactionary NBA culture and yeah, uh, yeah. people are, are quick to move too quick to move on in a lot of situations. And, I mean, we can think back to like the Jimmy Butler thing. There's countless examples with the Sixers and across the entire NBA of like rushing things to an extent that they haven't been. Uh, I agree. It does take time. In reality, Doc Rivers has not been here very long at all. And it's tough to gauge considering how many like outside, like even dating back to the, the Ben Simmons thing to start this year, like a guy just not completely showing up to camp and dealing with all that. And then you don't even have your second best player until James Harden is the, is there. And and granted, like Doc is not innocent in this. He's absolutely made mistakes. He's absolutely uh, blew the development of B-Ball Paul this year that we saw in the playoffs, a guy that had not worked out 
some kinks in his game that easily could have if he had gotten more time throughout the season. Uh, he has his flaws for sure, but he's far from the reason that like the Sixers are 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 not in the spot we hope. And now to to kind of get into that a little bit, that's kind of what we're mainly want to talk about today is kind of the roster construction with this. And uh, I do think this year was more of an indictment on Maury, and I think every single player on the roster that there needs to be kind of uh, a reflection and analysis and a look forward for what they think about going forward. So we're going to go through each player and hit me with a uh, must trade should explore or can't touch. I uh, will start right at the top. I think this one is obvious, but Joel Embiid must trade. No, <laughs> right. He obviously Embiid's back and he's going to be a uh, sexer for life. So yeah, yeah, absolutely should be. Can't touch. Uh, I, I, it would break my heart if he ever suits up in another uniform. Uh, I, I think he's probably at his most impatient with the franchise that he's been in his entire time here. But I, this is a crucial offseason for everything, and I think every move needs to be regarded as it always should be. But specifically this offseason, every single move needs to be utilized. What unlocks him the best, what complements him the best. So that needs to be the, the outlook from the front office. We kind of talked a lot about James Harden uh, last pod, but I think it's pretty obvious James Harden's back. So do you agree with that as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. He's going to be back. Yeah. So I don't even think it's worth talking about because he's just he's back. Yeah, even kind of the sign and trade situation, which has been tossed around a little bit, that doesn't make much sense to me. It's I think happen. the the question's not if it's kind of at what cost is pretty much how the right. Sixers are handling this, and we kind of just got to stay tuned and hope for this. It, it also is interesting to me, like Harden's talked about like taking less money. I really don't know what like less money means to him. Like he could very well demand like a three year, hundred and twenty mil, and it's like like yeah, that's not a max contract, but like you're not freeing up cap space with it but i, I think it's pretty likely that maury does a, a staggering of the paycheck in terms of maybe to open up a slot for like this year and backload it in the end which of course is gonna hurt when he's like older and getting that money but the priority's got to be on building right now so i i think that's something to watch out for as the contract details emerge yeah i i think uh, so too and sorry and to like to that point as well um i think that there's going to be some fancy financial footwork um in the front office this off season to make that work. Cause I don't, maybe we can talk about this later on. Let's honestly, I'll, I'll push that back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Tobias Harris. Uh, explore, explore the options. All right. I'm going must trade for Tobias. Uh, okay. and I want to start off with Tobias gets a bad rap. I, I do genuinely like Tobias. He's been a guy that's been, uh, a model citizen, a model member of the team his entire time he's been in Philadelphia. He's made some really significant changes to his game to attempt to fit into this. But the fact of the matter is he's got over $36 million cap hit coming in next year to free up just about any, any move that they want to make. It has to involve offloading that contract or subbing that for role players, whether it's like a Tobias Harris for a few role players trade or a, a deal to get it off the books and open that for a player uh, that could come into play if there is like the Zach Levine talks, the Bradley Beal talks, if Maury does have his eyes on a superstar. But basically, any way you cut it, the Sixers have no flexibility until they make that move. So it's kind of unfortunate. I have grown to really like Tobias, and I do respect him a ton, but he's got to go. And frankly, like he's just not quite the the guy that they were hoping he would be. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I definitely do. And there's been points in time where I was like, you have to, I absolutely have to get him off uh, the books. I loved, I like just loved what I saw from Tobias this postseason. Yeah. Um, I thought as a leader and what he did um, throughout, you know, the late end of the season into the, the postseason, I just really um, 
grew to respect him a lot. Um, not that I didn't before, but I just felt like there was another level to it. And I think that he's kind of, you know, worn his emotions on his sleeve a lot. And I think, I think there's something there to say that I think he might know that there's uh, the end is in sight. Um, and the poor dude's been traded like 15 times. So uh, it's yeah. tough, but I think it's definitely reasonable to look for a Tobias Harris for, you know, three guys that match contract uh, type of deal, like whether that's to Sacramento or, you know, wherever it might be. I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout the summer, but like, I don't mind the idea of spreading that 36 out between three players and getting a starter and two bench players, like two solid bench players. Like personally, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, a quick like shout out to the credit form. Like think about how much his role changed from the beginning yeah. of the year where he was legitimately the number two alongside Embiid with just pretty much by default of no one else being there. The yeah. first half of the season before James Harden averaged 18.7 points per game, uh, 15 sh- field goal attempts per game, 48.4% from the field, 3.4 three-point attempts and shot 34.5% from three. The second half of the year with James Harden, his points per game dropped to 14.3, only attempted 11.9 uh, shot attempts, shot 47.7% from the field, attempted 4.6 three-point attempts, and shot 40% from three. So his shot attempts went down, his three-point attempts went up, both of his efficiency numbers uh, increased, and his points per game still decreased. So just like that's not easy to do as a professional and as a guy at this stage in his career. So as much as he's been drugged a lot, dragged through the mud and the the contract obviously clouds a lot of opinions from it. I do think Tobias deserves his respect and I appreciate him for his time here. And he became uh, like a really solid defender yeah, uh, yeah. going into the postseason, which at the beginning of his contract, people were like, he's a very met perimeter guy. And he became mm-hmm. like the premier defender on this team. So no, I, I you know, it's going to be a tough goodbye. I think if he goes, Definitely. Tyrese Maxey. I I want to keep Tyrese Maxey at all costs. Like, I think personally, um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about these other stars and, and the third star. And I think from what we've gathered, and I know we just talked about how often Daryl Morey lies, um, but I do actually believe that there's no, there's no chance that Tyrese Maxey is playing in another uniform. It's just not going to happen. Um, I don't care if it's for Zach Levine. I really don't care if it's Bradley Beal. Uh, these guys are not worth it to me. Like giving up Tyrese Maxey is not worth it to me. Yeah, yeah. And one of the how the Tobias trade I kind of expect to happen, and because of what stage he's at with two years left in his contract, the way that kind of converts in an NBA deal is, is you attach that to a young player on a cheap contract and kind of find a middle ground for for the players you get back. That player better not be Tyrese Maxey, and he no. is as can't t- as untouchable as as possible in my mind. It, for me, it's Embiid. And then Maxi, and that, it, there's a pretty massive gap between anyone else. Uh, per Kyle Newback, he said uh, Maxi's as close to untouchable as you could be. I also buy that. I, I I really do believe this guy is like the future face of the franchise, the guy that will be taking the keys in, in the post Embiid era. And uh, I mean, he's just a joy top to bottom from how he plays basketball, how he interacts with everyone, his personality, and it's just a guy that you cannot be giving up on. So I have no interest in moving on from Tyrese Maxi. For anyone, really, whether it's Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, you can name it. I still am holding on to this guy in the long term for the production that he brings. And when you argue for now, like Tyrese Messi's still contributing to a win now team. And like, sure, he's a little undersized. Sure, he has his like, you can point out the little holes, but the rate this guy is improving at and has improved already is so impressive to me. So 
just similar in a similar way to Embiid, it break my heart to see him ever suit up in another uniform, and I really don't think it's gonna happen. Me either. Um, yeah. When you know you're going on this list, I think it's. Uh, I think you're going into next year, and again, we. I know the the Harden conversation is gonna be there, but it's gonna be Embiid, Harden, Maxi, and whatever else you have to do. Uh, what the other twelve guys are, you know, in line. I don't know what the, what the order is, um, but they can all go at some yeah. point. To make those three guys, put those three guys in a position to win a championship, to complete the team around those three guys, that's the goal. Um, so whatever else you have to do, you got to do, but those three guys are going to remain, is my yeah. like ideology going into the offseason. Totally agree. And and I do think that's like a, a nice thing. Harden and Maxi are much more compatible than I even imagined in my mind. So I think that's awesome uh, to to talk about a guy who I guess kind of was like a uh, fan favorite Philly, like pride guy that everyone loved and has really fallen from the graces very quickly. What are your thoughts on Matisse Thibel? I think he's going to, I think he's going to go. Um, I, I think he's on his way out. Oh, man, It's so tough because, you know, you loved what we all loved what we saw from him for so long. Um, and the idea was, okay, you know, it just has to improve here, 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 you know, small, short steps. Well, we haven't seen it. We've seen regression um, and we've seen like, and I don't mean to do this to, to be this guy, but we've seen like a lack of commitment to be a full contributor to the team. I, I don't know how else to put that other than it makes you seem pretentious to not have gotten a shot, um, to not have gotten the second shot uh, to play in a playoff series. To me, that that's showing a lack of commitment. Um, but regardless of that, you know, he just was terrible the the latter half of this year. Um, and he regressed as a shooter. He regressed as an offensive player. And we really thought that um, him and like Harden would unlock him to a degree. Uh, he really did not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to do because everyone else got better with Harden on the floor. Uh, and somehow Thibel, who has a has the play style of a player that gets better. um, didn't happen. I think you can get, I think you can get, there's something out there to get for Matisse Thibault. And I think that's another part of why he might go. There's value there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In my mind, Matisse Thibault is an absolute must trade. Uh, He's probably at the top of my list on the Sixers roster for who needs to be traded. He's just a flawed NBA basketball player. And I mean, obviously we see in the half court, the issues it creates. We talked so much after the Ben Simmons trade about like how, how much cleaner the half court is going to look when guys like can't sit in the paint. We see these exact same issues with Matisse Thibault out there, except Matisse can't pass or dribble in the way that Ben Simmons can't. Uh, ben Simmons could and provided that to the team. And defensively, like he for sure is like a, a block and a steel machine and makes these eye popping plays. But he's also flawed in the way he defends in terms of team defense. Like when you watch these NBA playoffs and look at these like top tier contending teams, Every single player is so connected defensively and like team defense is much more important than individual defense in terms of knowing when to rotate, knowing when to pass off the guy, knowing when to drop, when to cover Matisse, like the way he defends is so like spastic and like flying his limbs around. It just doesn't quite work. And Joel Embiid's a guy that he makes bad a lot on the, on the defensive end. Cause Thibel loves like coming from behind for the pokes or the blocks. When you're doing that, your man is in front of you. That's demanding another guy to step up. And I, it happens all the time where Embiid steps up to pick up his man and it's a simple bounce pass and then Embiid's man scores. And that just like doesn't work on a defensive aspect. And I agree that there's absolute value there. I mean, this guy's back-to-back second team, all-NBA defender. You absolutely can get something for him. And I, I think that contributes to the decision as well. But like, I just don't see 
him ever developing offensively to where he can play more minutes than he already does. His minutes per game dropped by 10 minutes from regular season to postseason. And some of that was obviously with the, the shot and with uh like once he got out of the rotation with that, it kind of contributed. But it also just like teams gave him zero respect uh on their on their defensive end. Like don't even acknowledge that he's there. And you just cannot win like that. I don't think he can ever contribute to like a, a championship contending team. Yeah, I don't, I mean, or he's years away from it. Um, and I'm okay with moving on for that. Like, you know, I, you could probably tell I was just looking at my phone very briefly. I just looked up to see Bruce Brown Jr.'s contract. Um, he's a free agent. So like, if you're looking for a guy that doesn't shoot and plays really good defense, there's a guy available that you could probably get for, you know, same, same price, maybe even a little bit cheaper that has great chemistry uh, with James Harden. Yeah, shouting out James and Harden on his story yesterday. On his, uh, yeah, on his Instagram story, um, and that loves to play with James Harden can be a small five at times, um, and is a great cutter and a you know great guy out of the dunker spot. So like these guys, like I know Matisse, like what he does is like very appealing, um, and it's attractive when he's playing well and he's blocking Steph Curry's jumper and he's blocking Devin Booker's jumper. But like there's guys out there that do this. Um, like I like you, you almost probably think that like Tory Craig and like guys like Bruce Brown and these these guys are as impactful as a defender for you know what they do. They're not the freak athlete and like quirky defensive player that Thibel is, but they do guard the best players in the league and do it well. Um, there's guys out there that do this. So like, and, I don't and know. I don't think it's better to like block a shot versus force a missed shot. Like. His stats look great because he ha- he makes like the eye popping plays and everything. A guy like think about like a PJ Tucker who just like makes the guy work for all twenty four seconds. He's guarding him and never let him get like a free shot off. That is just as valuable as if you like block a shot and like sure like that guy has like a chance of making it if he's doing like a fadeaway whatever forcing him into a bad shot. But like in right. terms of just like I don't think Matisse can stay connected enough defensively with the rest of the roster to like contribute in winning ways. And he's twenty five years old. Like. I'm yeah. sure that's still he's like plenty young. of the yeah like and sure he's still got plenty of time to develop and all that but like that's not like like we're not talking about like Tyrese Maxey's 21 and look at the rate that he improved versus what we've seen from Matisse in three seasons it just kind of is not there and uh, it's very frustrating and and in the uh the postseason pressers with Doc and Daryl they talked about how like they're more patient because they can tell he's like putting in the work and like doing all this but it's like I have to see it to some extent like it's great if you can go like this guy should be shooting like a thousand three point corner three pointers every single day this offseason. And it's like that simple. If he could become like an uh, inadequate three point shooter, his career trajectory changes completely. But like he just looks scared to shoot the ball or do basic offensive functions most of the time he's on the court. Yeah. And like, again, it's no disrespect at all. Like, I really don't mean it to be disrespectful. I'm just saying, like, this is not like we're, play- this is the NBA. You know, yeah. you get paid on what you do, what you actually do. Um, and I'm sh- and I'm sure of it. I'm sure he's in the gym. I'm sure he's putting the work in. I'm sure he's, you know, he's a professional. He's getting paid a lot of money to be a professional. I'm sure he is, no doubt. But it hasn't translated. It hasn't, you know, started to peak out. Uh, there's been flashes. There's been stretches. Okay, he can put the ball in the basket. Um, even early on with Harden, there was like a real natural ability with the screen and roll and the cutting and everything. And it's just like, it just vanished. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're banking on that being a reliable source of op- offense for him going forward. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they sounded not that upset about it, but again, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors in those press conferences. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, this one's tough to me, but Danny Green. <sighs> but yeah, it's tough because you don't want to just say uh, get him out of here because he's hurt. Um, but you know, again, this is the NBA, uh, you're looking to to save some money. Uh, he he is non guaranteed. You can get him off the books and clear up ten million by tomorrow. You know, uh, maybe not by yeah. tomorrow. I don't know exactly when that happens, but you know, you get the gist. Um, I don't know. I loved Danny in the playoffs. He was he was really good in the playoffs. And it sucked that it, it ended the way that it did. But Danny Green yeah. during the regular season was like public enemy number one for me for a while. Uh, I literally, I think I campaigned on this podcast like a few times saying like he needs to go. Um, but again, um, you love DG, but he was, you know, he's hardly the player he was, you know, a couple of years ago. And now he has a pretty significant knee injury that's going to take him a long time to get back from. Like he's not going to be back. Yeah until halfway through next year like if we're lucky like jamal murray i don't like think about the last time you saw jamal murray play basketball and they had a yeah. similar knee injury um, jamal murray is, yeah. yeah yeah like he is a, a younger guy and i don't know i just don't know it sucks the the situation really does suck but i i don't know if they can like logically hold on to him yeah it's tough i i first off i'm a danny green guy i i think i i just i love what he does on a basketball court in terms of like winning habits, contributing to a team, spacing the floor, doing things that don't show up in the stat sheet. I think he's like impactful beyond what what is shown. He was kind of a such an analytical mystery this year in terms of like he looked terrible out there, but there were the the lineups looked better when statistically when he was on the court. And like to me that does hold weight. I think like his leadership, the personality, the veteran presence is all needed on the Sixers team. Uh, I think the plan was when that contract was signed last offseason was that for him to be traded after this offseason. It's a very tradable contract. The $10 million cap hit is very friendly for deals and easy to work with. The injury definitely changes things a little bit. It's tough, like, doing a guy dirty. He's already said that he's, like, coming back. He's not going to retire. He wants to go out on his own terms. I'm okay with, like, a Danny Green that comes back midseason and only has a playoff run in him. Like, that's all we're asking for him, really. Uh, he's he's a guy you can plug in on any NBA lineup for limited minutes, and he can do his thing. Uh, he's for sure beyond what we all know. He's well over like the prime of his career, but he's still a guy to contribute. Uh, I think they they have to explore. I think it's more likely than not that he is traded at just for cap reasons and fitting it in there. But I'm gonna I would I will miss Danny Green if he has gone. I, I am a fan of what he does on the court. Yeah, he he recaptured me as a fan late in this season uh i think the the dunk might have done it in the play in the raptors series that yeah. dunk might have done it for me and if that's the last if that's the last memory we have of danny green as a sixer yeah we'll take it but yeah i think it'll be tough i think that's a really like just a shitty situation for all parties like i don't think the sixers want to do him that dirty i don't think they want to like hang him out to dry like that mm-hmm. um but i also think that they have to keep their best interest in mind and i think at this point their best interest is to use that 10 million dollars elsewhere because it's you know that's that's a useful 10 million that they clearly you know need definitely definitely george niang i'm okay with george um (laughs) i know this this postseason was rough for him like real rough for him um but i also think the situation at hand i think the lack of wing depth screwed him um, because you're yeah. asking him to play a wing and he is not, he is clearly not. Um, I think George is great. I, I mean, statistically as a shooter, he just had a shitty stretch, um, yeah. bad time to have a shitty stretch because he was one of our more reliable guys, um, throughout the season. 
but he's going to be better than that. Um, and he was better than, than that for m- much of this season. Um, I think he's great again as a leader, as a guy, a locker room guy. I, I think George is going to be back. I want him back personally. So just the role, it has to be different in the playoffs and the role that he played during the season right. is totally fine with me. But the fact that they didn't have any playable wings is the reason why he got exposed so significantly in the postseason. So you remedy one situation, you kind of upgrade again at the other situation. So I think George stays. Yeah, that was pretty much the point that I wanted to make is I am totally I, I honestly want him back next year. I do not want him playing playoff minutes next year. And he's a guy that like you love to have on your roster in terms of he brings energy. He does his thing. He plays his game. Uh, a regular season player that like he will have his nights in the regular season. He had his nights in the regular season where he knocked down like a big three, knocked down three or four threes, flexing to the crowd, talking shit to the benches. That's awesome. He, that's also totally fine to have that guy and have zero expectations for him to play in the, the playoffs. Like he should be a guy on that like ninth or 10th bench spot that when you chop down to crunch time, like an eight man rotation, he's not in it. And that's all totally okay. The, the lack of wing depth absolutely exposed him. He was being asked to, to guard guys. He should have no business guarding to, to play in a style that he should have no business playing. Uh, but all, both these things can be true that like we want him back and he should not be playing playoff minutes. And uh, I mean, the, the, the Sixers depth was put on full display in this playoffs. And I think he's probably the number one prime example of it. Uh, like there's, a, he's obviously limited in what he does. He's a, he's a six, seven, like chubby little power forward that just lets it fly from deep. And he's, I love that he's around. He's great for the vibes, but that's kind of my stance on him. I hope he's back next year overall though. Yeah. And I also feel like you can, you can slot him into certain like rotations and like keep him, I don't know. I feel like there's ways around him to, you know, not exploit him defensively, but, you know, allow him to flourish offensively. I think there are creative ways to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think that they had the ability to do that this year. And like the fact that they had to play small with most of their backup lineups, it, again, it was tough because he's just not, he just doesn't do that well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved, I love George. I do. Yeah. He competes his heart out. He, he, he brings yeah. it every night, even with him being limited. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz. I'm sorry, buddy. Oof. I'm sorry, buddy. He's gone. Um, yeah. I think to me, he's got to go. And that hurts. That hurts my heart to say as a Furcon guy. Um, but he's not good. And no. <laughs> he's too like he's too streaky. And the good isn't good enough. And the bad is too bad. Um, and again, like he fell out of the rotation this year and he just got a new contract. We thought he was going to get paid this offseason. Uh, he took a little bit of a pay cut to stay here, and I think that it's time uh, for him to move on. I, I I wish him the best wherever he goes, but that $5 million has got to be used better somewhere else. Yeah, I unfortunately agree, and I have nothing but love for Furkan. Yeah, but, uh, it's love. Yeah, it is, but it's time. And I would say Matisse is still higher on my list of Musco than Furkan, but the fact of the matter is neither one of them are good enough to play like rotational minutes from the wing, and that's a problem right there. So... Uh, I agree. Yeah. It needs to be reshuffled. It needs to be moved on. And uh, it, it was very disappointing this year to watch him just kind of like shoot himself out of the rotation and like go stretches of time without even seeing the floor. That really is not like for a guy 24 approaching 25 and start seemingly uh, seemingly hitting his stride for his career. It was tough to see that. So I feel bad for him and hopefully uh new location. He gets his mind straight again. Yeah, I just I mean, I think about it money wise, right? You know, if you're if you're thinking about trading Danny Green, there's 10 right there. And then between Thibel and Furcon, there's another nine and a half or a little over nine and a half. 
Mm-hmm. So you're creating just right there. I obviously, again, you have to match the contracts. Everything has to work. But when you're talking about where $20 million is spent, if you're thinking many other teams are thinking one way and you're thinking Thibault, Korkmaz, and Green, like that $20 million has to be, if this team wants to compete for a championship, like though that, that money right there is the integral change that has to be made. It sucks yep. because you like all those guys. They're good people. They're good players, but they're just not good enough to have that money be spent on them in that situation. That's my thought process. Yeah, no, that, that makes absolute sense and totally great. Uh, Shake Milton, a little bit different situation, but I feel somewhat the same. How about you? Um, To me, Shake is like, <laughs> I don't know the best way to put this, but he's like so cheap right now that it almost makes less sense to trade him. Like, I understand moving him. I think... Mm-hmm he kind of is what he is at this point. I still do like shake. Um, this year was weird for him, but like, again, you know what he's making $1.4 million this year. Like where's that value? Where are you going to get a player for 1.4? That's better. You know what I mean? Maybe if he's a sweetener, someone likes him for that contract and, you know, within a, a Tobias trade, if it's shake that gets moved, if it's, you know, within one of those other deals that's being made, if it's shake that gets moved, I'm not heartbroken. Um, but you know, for the, for the money, I don't know. This is how I feel about it is think about like how much we've talked about how much this team like lacks like a a dog mentality or like all out effort all the time. I feel like backup point guard is like the number one circled spot for like bringing that. Like think about how many backup point guards like come in the game and like pick up full court and like do that kind of thing. Shake is so just like he's just so smooth in his approach and like like he just Chill. like you, there there's games where you genuinely like don't even realize he's on the court and he just kind of <laughs> yeah. goes through his motion does his thing like i want a guy who makes his present felt when we're talking about a second unit guard like think about like tj mcconnell and obviously like throwback for the process days but like if tj mcconnell's in shake Milton's shoes like we know he's there every single game he's increasing the energy every time he's on the court I think you can find guys for a similar contract as Shake Milton who have that mentality and have that effort level. And I mean, Shake's obviously skilled. He obviously has some things that he does very well. I think there's plenty of teams around the NBA that would be more than willing to give him a chance. But I, I think for me, when we talk about like making the changes, backup point guards like pretty close to the top of the list of where it needs to happen. And Shake just doesn't really bring that aspect of the game. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Like, I don't have any problems with that. I like Shake personally. I think he's a, a good player. Um, it is like it. I think either way, to me, it's going to kind of be it is what it is. Like genuinely, I don't think he's a playoff rotation guy. Uh, he yeah. has one playoff game in him every postseason. He has one. Yeah. Um, so maybe throw him in there when times get tough. But like, he's the twelfth guy, right? So yeah. I don't know. It is what it yeah. is. Either way, I look at it. It is if he's here next year. It is what it is. If he's gone next year, it is what it is not much more to it for me personally yeah uh how about this one i feel strongly about b-ball paul uh i think i think paul should be here uh i think paul should be here because i think there's a lot of untapped uh potential in there i think and i think that this is like the year um for him i think this this upcoming season is the year for him i think they can like it, it he just he just provides a lot of creativity to this roster um you can get weird with him and it'd be okay uh, and I think that there's a lot there uh, that is exciting. So I, I think Paul should be here next year. Yeah, this is going to sound like a joke, but I mean this completely seriously. If I'm going through my untouchable list, it goes Joel Embiid, <laughs> Tyrese Maxey, B-Ball Paul. 
and I love everything about what he brings to the game. The all-out effort, the all-out hustle, the trying his ass off every second he's out there. And just, he's a step toward modern basketball in a way that the Sixers just have lacked so much. Like the way he's switchable, the way he can guard on the perimeter, the way he just brings pure madness in a, in a positive way. And just like like him, he can absolutely be the backup center. And we'll talk about Bassey right after this, but like like him and Bassey are absolutely what they need to be developing in terms of MB's long-term backups and guys that can bring it. I just love Paul Reed. He said he wants to add 10 to 15 inches to his vertical this offseason, which is absolutely insane, but I love him for it. Uh, he's a guy that I, I want to have a real chance next year in terms of playing real deal minutes throughout the entire uh, season, and I think he's going to show why he belongs. Yeah, he's a dog. He's yeah. a dog. He's one of the he's one of the guys that has that in them on this roster already. I think it's uh I think it's important for them to groom that in the right way. And I think they will. I, I'm I'm hopeful for Paul going forward. I don't know if he's number three on my my untouchable <laughs> list, but I do like Paul. Yeah. I, I, I do think he like rejuvenated his long term hopes with the end of the season, the way he played, yeah, the did. playoff stretch, everything. I think in Doc Rivers and the organization's mind that that changed things in a lot of ways. And, I, and I'm very happy he got the chance to do that. And and he brought it uh, last one's here. We'll, we'll lump all these together. Uh, Jaden Springer, Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey. How do you feel about the three of those overall? I'm unconcerned, I guess, is the is the right way to put it. I mean, I like all those guys. Don't get me wrong. Um, they talked really, really glowingly about Springer, uh, which was surprising. I mean, he's a he's a he's a young he's a kid right like he is a young guy um again like i i don't mind them being in, on, on this roster i don't i like all those guys individually i like who they are as players i think isaiah joe but like isaiah joe is uninspiring to me i i, I we've all we liked a lot of what he did again he's still super young I, i'm not going to count him out by any means i like bassy a lot i think if i'm ranking them at bassy's number one um but I don't know, man. Like this is this, the, you can't be concerned over those guys. Like 18, yeah. 19, 20, 21 year olds, unless they're Tyrese Maxey, like you can't be too concerned about that. Like they're not going to help this year. They're not going to help next year. You know, maybe Springer could be a really solid NBA defender. Uh, maybe, maybe Isaiah Joe can be a really solid NBA shooter, but like you got to go get those guys that are like, you confirm that those guys are good shooters. Like you'd rather have a guy that's proven it than one of these guys in this situation right now, like where the Sixers are in their position, you got to get win now, guys. So if it costs you one or two of those guys, it is what it is, but I do like them. It's frustrating not to have a read on all these guys. Like, and this True. is once again, falling on doc for not trial and error, not giving guys like, and I get they're young. I get they all have holes, but to me, that's really no excuse. Like you look at the golden state warriors, Jonathan Kaminga started a game in the conference semifinals that is playing rotational minutes for the team that's about to win the championship this year. And that's a guy who is 18 years old, who his knock on him coming into the draft last year, a guy who played for the G league Ignite, went right to the pros after that. He was a guy who had all this polish. He didn't quite have the piece together was the seventh overall pick and he's just like a pure hustle guy and does the little things for them because like they clearly give him a job tell him to do these things and he, he tries and he he gives it all his effort and there's no reason why the Sixers can't do the same thing with these guys and like they have skill sets that like can be useful and you give them like the one or two things to fully focus on doing and they will do it so to me it's frustrating like not to have a clear idea of it I've seen all these guys a decent bit in the G League. I'm a big fan of Jaden Springer. I think long-term he's going to be very good, but he's for sure still very raw. He's a little bit like Jimmy Butler-like in the way he like 
gets to his spot, does a lot of mid-range, uses his body very well. He's got a, a very like NBA body already, even as young as he is, and he's going to be a very good defender. He locks up in the G League. I also think Bassey's legitimate long-term. Uh, Isaiah Joe, I'm probably the lowest on out of the three of them. Uh, I do think these guys are all pretty likely to be attached to Tobias or something. Tobias, Furkan, or you know, some variation of that. It's not anything to lose sleep over. I, but I do believe in uh, Bassey and Springer specifically long term. I believe in very highly. Yeah, I think Springer um, is the most intriguing. Yeah, he he's a mystery. Like he was a mystery last year. Um, he still is. Again, he's one of those guys that isn't complete by any means. Um, but I think the I think. The problem is I don't think people need to think that he is. I think they just need to see that he's like growing. Um, it feels like this team would rather have G League MVPs than rotational players. So uh, they'll keep their good guys down in the G League to, to rack up those MVPs and you know those that playoff success in the G League uh, and kind of forego their their actual NBA growth. But I don't know, man. I I'm I'm okay with all of them being on the roster next year. But again, if it's if it's part of a deal that one or two or three or four of them have to go you know so be yeah. it it's it's the life of the nba player right yeah there is something off about like the sixers tracked in terms of like draft a guy g league pros like however like the the pathway is it's just not quite defined enough and i get each guy is like at a different stage of their development that kind of thing but it feels like they do a lot more of just like like eh, just leave them in the g league let them do their thing <laughs> when like way more teams are like strategic and like how they're, they're tracking them develop do all that and that's something that in the long term I think is like a legitimate concern that needs to be fixed. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know though. I mean, I don't I want to be fair to say that like I don't pay attention that closely to what other like franchises G League's plans are. So I can't like put too much uh thought into that, but yeah, it is weird. I mean, you kind of like literally for like 3 months I forgot that Bassey and Springer existed. <laughs> Like they just were banished to yeah. the G League. Even the Sixers were like going through COVID, uh, like or had injuries at points of time in the season, and it was just like James Springer just does not exist here. Um, but I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see what they do. Doc Rivers seemed to really like him, um, so it will be interesting to see what his plan is, um, if he's back. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we'll see. That's about all we got for this offseason episode. We'll get into some more kind of specifics for moves and that kind of thing, but I want to do a nice little roster check-in. So any final thoughts, James? No, man, I think that was I think that was necessary. Um, I feel like we're pretty much on the same page for most of this. Um, and I mean, I, I do have a feeling, I guess I can kind of wrap up what I was saying earlier. I, I feel like there's going to be some things happening this year. I don't think it's as like cut and dry as it may seem. I think that Maury's going to get creative um because clearly this roster is not good enough i think there's going to be a lot of turnover um which is good and bad but i think the guys that do need to go will go and i do think that there's going to be uh significant changing changes in the starting rotation so stay tuned for that because i do think it's going to happen the draft is in like a month that is going to be a big day and then the weeks following that will be big so there's a lot to be I hate this because I don't want to be talking about the draft in the offseason, uh, but there is, you know, some significant reasons to be excited about the next, the upcoming months. Yeah, it's back against the wall. A lot to walk, uh, a lot to watch coming up. So I definitely think there's a big changes. I think this is probably the last time we've seen Tobias Harris, Furkan, Matisse, and probably a couple other guys in a six year uniform. So we'll be interested to see what the new blood looks like and see what the moves end up looking. But 
yeah, we'll stay tuned and uh, we'll be talking with you guys next time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, if you want to do real quick, the uh, follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. Follow me at jsprain17. Make sure you're here on Wednesday. Uh, James and Asher will be doing their first episode of the 215 Scoop, so that'll be fun. Uh, make sure you check out BetUS and use our promo code PICKSWAP at login for your first bet risk free up to $500. And make sure you're keeping up with PickSwap Media, and we'll be in touch.